Leo. Action. <laughs> Salutations. I'm Sophia's friend Bronwyn. And I'm Bronwyn's friend Sophia. And this is Codes and It. You have to say it with me. I know, but you threw me off with your... And this. <laughs> and this is Quotes and Anecdotes. <laughs> what is the intro music again? No. Wait, no, that's the closing. Do, do, you can't like replicate it. Like, I know what it sounds like, but... Uh, Oh, I can't do it. What you're to do. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everyone. Oh, I was saying hi to you. Oh. <laughs> but hello well, to all of you. I just want to say hi back. I'm sorry. <sighs> it is a lovely spring afternoon. Well, I wouldn't call it lovely, but oh, what I what I will oh, say. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cloudy. In gray, but what I will say is that if you remember a couple episodes back, we talked about spring and the green haze. Green haze is in full swing now, and it makes me so happy. On Thursday afternoon, which was like the last sunny afternoon that we had, we were driving home on Thursday afternoon, and it was really sunny. And I just noticed that everything was green, and it made me very, very happy. What? I don't trust you. What you're just grinning at me. What have you done? I'm just in a good mood right now. I'm so glad. <laughs> you're so rude. I'm kidding. You said you're not. in a good mood. I'm so confused. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's certainly green. Yeah. There's a tree. I don't know if I've talked about this before, but there's a tree outside my window. That when I was little, I named it Stickerella because it was winter when we moved in, I think, and it was just it was a little sticky. It was I was about to say sticky, and then I realized <laughs> that that's not the adjective that you used to describe sticks. Um, but you know, it was sticky. branches. There were branches. branches, and I was like Stickerella, and now Stickerella. Not only is she green, but she's also got like little flower buds. And soon she might flower and... Pick. Do you know what's funny? What's funny? So, Sophia has Stickerella, and she told me the story in, like, the beginning of the year. I was like, oh, it's amazing. And in my math class, my other friend, also named Sophia, <laughs> um, there's a tree right outside the window, and we're like, oh, look, this tree. And I was like, oh, we should name it. And I was like, oh, let's name it Stickerella Jr. <laughs> and literally, you were, like, saying how you were, like, watching the tree, and you're like, it went from, like, just being, like, sticky to having like green leaves and stuff that's literally that's like probably how i'm gonna like measure this year or like remember it is by like sticker allergy because like every single time it would like the leaves would change color we're like oh look it it's a different color and like Aww. and then like this week we're like oh look they're like buds and like by friday it was like green oh that's yeah. awesome i didn't know that you had <laughs> named a tree sticker Junior. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that makes me so happy I don't, so yeah. there you go that's awesome yeah, so it's a really sticky green time. <laughs> that sounds so much more awful than it was supposed to. I think. <laughs> but should we go to wordlets? Let's go to wordlets. Do I get to go first? Because you get to edit this one. You do indeed. Excellent. So my first word today is Amadeus, which is not in English. Um, 
Oh my goodness, I really can't read this font. It's a, it's okay, I'm zooming in so we, we can do it. Bronwyn made the font, um, it's, it's very fitting for what our topic is, which we'll go into later, but hard to read. So Amadeus is a theophoric given name derived from the Latin words ama, which is the imperative of the word amare. So in Latin, imperative is like a command. So if you said like amare is to love, and then if you said ama, it would be like love, <laughs> love Bronwyn, gosh darn it. Um, and, uh, and so ama and deus, which means God. So as a linguistic compound, it means love God. The best known bearer of the name is the composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. That's amazing. Um, so I thought it was really cool because I'd never heard of a linguistic compound before. Where like you just kind of... A lot of words like relating to grammar are really cool. Like yeah. we talked about like the object of kindred sense before that was like a thing. And like they're just like really like fancy names for things. Definitely. Which is fun. And where I found this is actually it's the name of a song. <laughs> so um i found a song called amadeus and i was like cool what does the word amadeus mean and i don't fully know why the song is called amadeus because it doesn't oh i guess it talks about love but i didn't think it talked about love and god maybe i need to listen more closely to the lyrics but it was just like a really nice song Oh. So was it um, Amadeus? 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 No. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it wasn't anything by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart either. But, and I also didn't know it could be like a name. Apparently, there's a movie about Mozart called Amadeus that oh, really? my English teacher has recommended multiple times that I haven't watched yet. But it's cool. That is cool. Yeah. So that was my wordlet. What's your first wordlet? Defenestration which is an incredible word. It is a very good word. And here's the thing, right? It's probably rarely used. No one, I don't <laughs> think anyone says this. In the sense of the formal definition, which is the action of throwing someone out of a window. I, the informal definition is the action of dismissing someone from a position of power or authority. That's An example much of which exciting. is the victory resulted in Churchill's own defenestration by the war-weary British electorate. I just can't help but imagine them throwing the, like these <laughs> British um, political people throwing Winston Churchill out of a window. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just an incredible definition, and I need to figure out a way to include it in terms of writing. I love that there's. A word for the act of throwing someone out a window. That yeah, has just brightened my I day so much. At least, I, I can't, it's probably like fenestre or something like that. It means window in Latin. In French, it's like fenetre, uh, fenetre is window. And like, so that's where the window part comes in. But like, who decided there needed to be a word for that? <laughs> yeah. Who was like, no. This is an action that happens often enough that we need a word. Oh, and here's the example for the uh, for this. If you wanted to use defenestration in a sentence, death by defenestration has a venerable history. Um, <laughs> it does. <laughs> I I never heard of it before, but <laughs> I would love to see the history of death by defenestration because I feel like there would just be so many interesting stories from that. Sophia, you better be careful, otherwise you're going to be defenestrated. <laughs> Threat <laughs> so yeah, that was my first word. How did you 
find this word. So someone, one of our friends texted and was like, what is, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like. It was like, was, what's the word for, and then he kind of described. Yeah, for like something that's like the opposite of. Resurgence. It was like. Yeah, the opposite of resurgence. What's the word that's the opposite of resurgence? And, and was like, I was like. Yeah, and I was like, it probably starts with D, because if it's like resurgence, and the opposite is like D, and I feel like I know what this word is. So I, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I looked up words that start with D, as in like D-E, and there were some incredible words. Like, my second word, which I'll say after, was also from this list. Oh, really? And they, it was the best list of words I've (laughs) ever seen. That's so good. I don't, it's just amazing, so, Yeah. There's a defenestration for you. What's your next word that? So I just want to comment on this wordlet to say that, like, any unknown word now, I'm I can just never say, because I read this word in a book. I had never heard it out loud before, and I was like, I bet you I'm pronouncing it wrong. Let me look it up. Sure enough, I was pronouncing it wrong. But <laughs> I don't know how you were pronouncing it. I'll tell you, I guess, just because, you know, I haven't embarrassed myself enough on this podcast. But um, the word is epitomize, and I pronounced it correctly for the first time, um, which means to be a perfect example of. And then the noun form is epitome, which is a person or thing that is the perfect example of a particular quality or type. I just like the word. Um, I'm pretty sure I read it in the book that I was reading. Um, And I think it's a word that can definitely be used more often. Did I do it wrong? No. Okay. Um, Yeah, no, I like, I I would love to, this is one of the rare wordlets that I, that I've had that I was like, that's a good word. Like, I'm going to try to use that in my I love saying that things are are the epitome of something else. I think that's, it's just fun to say. Oh, I hadn't even thought about, like, you told me a story where you, um, had asked The epitome of defeat. Like, yeah, it was, that (laughs) something was the epitome of defeat. And I hadn't even thought about the fact that that was one of my wordlets. Do you, I recognized, okay, so the way that the E is written in this font is crazy, though. Have you seen this? Look at it. It's like, it's, Guys, it looks like a C, and then an S inside the C, and then a random little squiggly line. Oh, the capital E. The yeah. Lowercase E is just an E. Wow, that's, that's insane. Did you know? Okay, so I was looking at this word, and it was like epitome. In Greek, we were just talking about the prefix epi, like E-P-I, and I was like, oh my goodness, like, this is like probably a word that like, is like Greek roots and like I know what it means and I do know what it means because it comes from the Greek and I looked it up and I was right the Greek epi which means an addition and uh, temnein which is to cut so in a, and then it turns into like other stuff but like I was like oh my god I like I know this <laughs> that's awesome I love when like this has come up with I've been doing a lot of research recently and like when I find, I read something in an article that I had read in in a previous article, so I knew what it was talking about. It's so exciting because I'm like, I know that. I've I've been learning about that, and so I know that. And it's the same sort of feeling when you figure out something. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I I know what you mean. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) I concur. I can imagine you reading it and saying this out loud. I, I just get like weirdly excited just to whoever happens to be sitting next to me like guys guess what 
I know random stuff about Chinese history now. It's so much fun. It's great. Um, what's your last word, Lit? This might be my favorite word. Really? I think it outdoes ubiquitous. And the word is demi semi quaver. It's, it's in that list of words, demi semi quaver. There are four, eight, twelve, fourteen letters in it. Oh my gosh. It has both demi and semi in it, which I love because, like, both of those like mean part of a whole thing. <laughs> it's like part of part of a quaver. <laughs> And yet it kind of means the opposite of that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So the definition is simply a 30-second note. <laughs> Would you like to demonstrate a demi-semi-quaver for no, us? No, I really don't. But I think I that it's... Inc- I, mean, I don't think I could. I, think I don't think I could. I think you should try. <laughs> it's a, a British word referring to music because it's a demi-semi-quaver. But I just... I don't... I wonder if you could translate it because it's giving me this option when I'm googling it. No, I don't. I don't think it's translatable. Oh, you can translate it to Belarusian, but it's a different language, so I don't know what it says. It's a different alphabet. But yeah, a thirty-second <laughs> note. I just like I. I don't know. Again, that would be a fun word to try to use. Oh, in it's a, a th- not a thirty-second note. It's a thirty-second note. <laughs> oh. oh no! Oh god! Like the number thirty-two. Yeah, I didn't notice the hyphen. So in music, but they're very specific. Yeah, yeah, there aren't well, like the thing is right in music. You have like whole notes, quarter notes, half notes, um, eighth notes, sixteenth notes, thirty-second notes. I didn't know there was a name for a thirty-second note. So would a thirty-second no, oh my god, I can't now think of it as anything other than 30 seconds. seconds yeah. But, um, so like, would a 30 second note just be like, eep? Like, what is well, it? Well, I mean, unless it's like, if the tempo's super slow, it could just be like any speed. But it's just relative. Oh. I feel so cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 30 second. I can't say it. Yeah. Well, it's still a cool word. I, I like, and now it makes sense that there's demi and semi in there. Does it Because though? it's like part of, part of oh, a quaver. Oh my goodness. And quaver probably comes from like a word meaning. I mean, no. when you say like quaver, it's like a quaver of your voice, right? Like a little like. Yeah, it's probably like a sound related thing. So it's like yeah. part of, part of a sound. Oh my goodness. That's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> It's a 30-second note. A 30-second note. Yep. It's still a phenomenal word. It's still a great word. I love it. It was a little bit more shocking when I thought it was literally <laughs> a, a note held out for 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, boy. would you like to introduce our topic for today? I would. So, our topic... Is myths, our topic are myths, our topic is myths. Our topic is myths. Our topic is myths. 
<laughs> you would say our topic are. Well, it would have to be our topics are myths. Yes. Why? <laughs> Why are we having trouble with this sentence? So today we cannot conjugate verbs <laughs> in English, our native language. Um, so our our topic this week is myths and mythology. Yep. Yeah. And special shout out to our dear friend who, when trying to guess the topic of our last episode, was just throwing out topic ideas, and many of them were very good topic ideas. One of the ideas that she threw out was myths, and we thought that that would be really interesting to talk about. So thank you for unintentionally inspiring the next episode of Quotes and Anecdotes. You're inspirational. And if anyone else decides to give us topic ideas, we can give you a shout out too. <laughs> um, topic ideas would be greatly appreciated. Um, so when I was researching this morning for this episode, I was like, I don't have like a definition of the word myth in my head. Like I know what it is, but I think it would be cool to explore the definition. So what is myth? According to Google, the definition of a myth is a traditional story, especially one concerning the early history of a people or explaining some natural or social phenomenon and typically involving supernatural beings or events. So hmm. pretty cool. So like it usually, I think um, myths often originate in like something that's inexplainable or especially because a lot of myths are Religion-based as well. Um, and and religion-based, yeah. So And a lot of times people will explain religion as like something to cope with um, something that people didn't understand. Like, like an explanation for or, things. Yeah, or like natural disasters. Yeah. Like how could this happen? And then they turn to like a higher power or a, a myth or a story to explain that. Um, but I thought that was really cool. I find it really interesting just because it's... People have always been curious and always looked for answers. And if before there were scientific answers, and before people had the means to discover scientific answers, especially people still wanted an answer. And so they turned to, as you said, a higher power. Yeah. And I also just love the idea of telling stories because a lot of myths were transmitted orally. And I think that's something that's kind of been lost a little bit like I don't know of many people who well I don't know do people really like sit down with their kids and just tell them a story orally now or isn't it mostly like reading books books and stuff but yeah reading books and so I think I think that's a cool tradition to to tell a story or like pass down a story orally yeah I think that's pretty cool that's great yeah Um, do I get to start with my word? Oh, yeah, you do. I thought you, I was waiting for you to say No, I was waiting for you to ask me. <laughs> right, right. Sorry, I forgot that you go first. So, <laughs> Sophia, what's your first word? My first word this week is mysterious. <laughs> Which means difficult or impossible to understand, explain, or identify, or having an atmosphere of strangeness or secrecy. And the etymology of the word mysterious comes from French. Oh no. So, mystere? No. Mystere? Mystere. Mystere. Why don't you pronounce none of the letters? You have like six letters and you. you and then, mystero. Mysterious. Mystery. What? Okay, guys. The, the, one of the French words is M Y S. T E R I 
M-Y-S-T-E-U-X. And it's pronounced mysterious. 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 Okay, that makes a little bit more sense, but I thought you said yeah. mysterious, and I was like, where is the <laughs> second R coming from? Um, and then it went to mysterious in the late 16th century. French is hard, it seems It's funny like. because it's, nah, it's fine. It's such an interesting language to listen to, though. Like, there's so many weird sounds that we're not accustomed to in English and definitely not Spanish. Like, the Spanish fun thing is, with Sp- Spanish is just, like, so happy to listen to. And it Spanish sounds is, beautiful. It sounds, like, bubbly. Too. Yeah. Like, it just f- keeps flowing and flowing. And, like, French is a little weird. to listen to. French just has so many interesting sounds, though. <laughs> like, they... The things that I don't know, French is French is really interesting, like and the way that they've decided that that's how letters work is also you really you me. pronounce very few of the letters in words. <laughs> you do. It's really interesting. It's fun though. Um, but yeah, the reason why I chose mysterious is because a lot of like I don't know if this is I might be making a huge generalization here, but I feel like the origin of some myths is kind of unknown. Yeah. Like, especially with anything that, any story that's transmitted orally, you can't really trace it back like you can with writing to like, okay, who wrote this and what time period and why might they have written this? Um, so in that way, I think a lot of older myths and mythology is kind of mysterious. And um, and also because they're not, I mean, they're grounded in fact, but they have these supernatural elements. It can be harder to understand like, okay, how much of this was true of this certain culture and how much of this was fabricated. I find it super interesting to go back in time and be like, okay, so like to try to figure out where like myths come from and religions come from and different stories from those come from because when you look at it, I don't know, I just find it really interesting. And I've like heard different people talk about it. I don't know, like to kind of understand it's like mysterious, and you don't know everything about it, but it's cool to kind of start to understand the mystery. Yeah, it's and cool. I feel like the study of mythology, if that's an option for later uh, in my life, it would be really cool. Like, yeah. just really interesting to, to learn. I know, about. I definitely find it, yeah, it's really interesting. It's pretty cool, but yeah. What is your word that yet again I pronounced so horribly wrong? I'm never, I'm never gonna talk again. This is like my curse. <laughs> so the word I chose this week was behemoth, or as Sophia pronounced it, behemoth. <laughs> I don't look at the pronunciation. I'm not like, <laughs> but that was fun. Um, oh my gosh, the bees are crazy too. Look, it looks like a heart. <laughs> so behemoth. I'm sorry, this font is great. Behemoth means a huge or monstrous creature, um, and I was—I had no idea what I was going to choose for mythology, what word to choose. So I just looked up mythology-related words, and That's I found what multiple I did too. lists. <laughs> That's where I found the series. I found so many lists. Yeah, me too. And I found behemoth, and I didn't know what it meant, so I looked it up, and it meant a huge or monstrous creature, and I thought that was amazing. Um, and yeah, it's just fun. It's cool. It's unexpected pronunciation. Um, but the etymology of behemoth comes from Hebrew, uh, behema, meaning beast. I'm sorry, I'm really mispronouncing this, but then behemoth, and then behemoth in late Middle English. Um, 
Sophia and I were saying this earlier, but Hebrew is also a super interesting language. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about Hebrew at all, but I think it's really cool. It's super old, which I just, I find old ancient languages super interesting. Um, And I don't know, I just, I know people who've studied it. We know people who speak it. Yeah. And I just, I think it's sometimes. Um, my friend who speaks it will like mention something to me like, oh, this is how you say this in Hebrew, and it always just sounds so beautiful. Like it yeah. Just no, and I, I don't know, and it's like it's a different alphabet, which always makes it more mysterious because you don't know what could be anything. And yeah. You read it from right to, uh, from left to right to left, not you left do? to right. Yeah, I think. That's so I'm pretty cool. sure. But yeah, it's just a really interesting language, and I, I was like, oh, it's cool. It comes from Hebrew. So those are words. <laughs> Those are our words. And I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. I think, I know, it is your turn first. And I think we should move on to quotes. It is my turn first. So a little bit of a preface. That's right, right? Preface, I'm using that right. Um, (laughs) Literally any unknown word I'm so afraid of now. Um, But I, now when I look up quotes, the first place that I go rather than Google is the book that I have. Um, the big book of quotes, and usually it, it provides some really good and interesting quotes. Um, and that was true for myths as well. But the ones that I found this this week were really weird. And it was like everyone's, everyone's different perspectives on myths and like how myths are formed and what we should think about myths. And there's one in particular that I was like, huh, that's <laughs> interesting. Um, but it was not this first one, which I thought was a good one to start out with. The R looks like an A. I'm sorry, this font is crazy. Myth is the secret opening through which the inexhaustible energies of the cosmos pour into human cultural manifestation. Religions, philosophies, arts, the social forms of primitive and historic man, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to say. Historic? That's not a word. Historic? Yeah. Right? Um, Prime discoveries in science and technology, the very dreams that blister sleep, boil up from the basic magical ring of myth. So there was a lot in there. Um, That was said by Joseph John Campbell, who was an American professor of literature at Sarah Lawrence College, who worked in comparative mythology and comparative religion. His work covers many aspects of the human experience. So a guy who was very well qualified to be talking about mythology. um, And... There was, there's just so much to unpack in this quote. One part that I really liked is the inexhaustible energies of the cosmos pour into human cultural manifestation, which is quite a lot of uh, big words, or not even big words, but like intense words. Um, and I just kind of liked that like this part of the, well, definitely p- the fact that part of myths have a very cultural aspect to them. Something that I've always loved about myths is that, like, through seeing how myths were passed down or, like, how the story turns out, you can see, like, this is how people thought about, like, what was going on. Um, and also that this, uh, these myths are often based off of or come from, like, the inexhaustible energies of the cosmos. Like, without the world being here and, like, the various circumstances, like, nature and natural disasters and like weather um and like the early people well how do we explain that through myths and through these supernatural creatures because otherwise how on earth could this happen because science didn't really exist or at least wasn't super accurate back then um so i kind of loved that he was 
acknowledging that like part of the origin of myths is the cosmos and like the world yeah that was pretty cool um and then yeah and then it was just kind of saying that like everything comes from myths which is a really interesting way of looking at human development and history like just everything religion philosophy art like science even technology all come from myth which was like huh something that i'd never thought of before dreams come from myth everything and also the magical ring of myth very cool way of putting that because like i i kind of love that um, I don't know, a ring kind of encompasses everything and encircles everything, so it's saying, like, myths from... I don't know. That's how I looked at it. Yeah, like no, I, I think you kind of said it in... I don't know, but, like... I th- It's interesting, because I feel like what he's kind of getting at is, like, myths come from human experiences that they can explain, and then people let the myths influence their future experiences because they, like, kind of live by myths and they live by, like, the rules of religion and stuff. So it's kind of interesting how it's, like, it comes from human experience and then it shapes human experience. Yeah. 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 It was a very long... It was a longer quote, but I I really liked it. Yeah. It's fun. What's your first quote? So my first quote is... The point of mythology or myth is to point to the horizon and to point back to ourselves. This is who we are, this is where we came from, and this is where we're going. Um, And a lot of Western society over the last hundred years, the last 50 years really, has lost that. We have become rather aimless and wandering. So for me, I found the first part a bit more profound, and maybe I'll go into the second part later, but... The point of mythology or myth is to point to the horizon and to point back to ourselves. This is who we are. This is where we came from. And this is where we're going. Because I think mythology is one of the only kind of accounts we have of like ancient history. Um, And we can see how people have lived off of it and lived by mythology for many years and how that adapted and changed as time went on and then less so recently in the sense of mythology and maybe not I think it's just really changed because the timeline stops a little bit because you can kind of follow the you can follow the timeline of mythology and religion and then at least in as he said in western society recently storytelling as you said and myths and religion has become a smaller, uh, not quite as big a deal, um, yeah, a for better or for worse, lives, for better or for worse, I'm not really sure, I don't really know, I'm no expert in this field, <laughs> um, but I just thought it was interesting, because it's like a way of, mythology's kind of a way of looking into how people thought Absolutely. throughout history. Yeah, I like that this provided a different perspective rather than like mythology is a way of explaining the things that happen in the world, but also it was saying like another purpose of mythology, which I think I wrote down for a little bit of my anecdote, but another part of it is to pass down like the values of a culture or society and the morals Mm -hmm. of a culture and say like this is who you are and this is where you came from and you shouldn't forget that and here's a story to remember that. So yeah, point that out. Yeah. Um, and the person who said this was Joseph Miles Michael. Straczyn- 
Oh, sorry. What did I say? <laughs> he said mile. <laughs> I just I, I forgot <laughs> the consonants. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Joseph Michael Straczynski, who is an American television and film screenwriter, producer, director, and comic book writer, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, no, and I also thought it was interesting how, like, mythology was kind of, I don't know, we've said this a few times, but it was like a way of guiding people and a thing that people lived yeah. by, and without it, in this person's point of view, we've kind of become a little bit aimless and we have less um, purpose, um, and I don't know if I'd agree with that or not, but it's an interesting point. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. to think about. Something sure. to think about. There you go. What's your next quote? Um, my next quote is, I therefore claim to show not how men think in myths, but how myths operate in men's minds without their being aware of the fact. Mm. And that was said, yeah, well, see, this is what I'm talking about. A lot of the quotes that I found, like, there were two quotes that I found that I were, like, really good and pretty profound and were good. But the next two quotes that I'm going to read are kind of weird ones and, like, a little weird to think about. This one's kind of creepy to think about, but I'll, I'll go into that a bit later. Um, this was said by Claude Levy, or Levy <laughs> Strauss, um, who was a French anthropologist and ethnologist whose work was key in the development of the theory of structuralism and structural anthropology. So it makes sense where he's coming from, like he was trying to figure out, um, I'm pretty sure that anthropology is like the study of how we evolved, right? Yeah. Um, so he was trying to figure out like how myths operate in people's minds. Um, and the fact that they might operate in our minds without us being aware of the fact that they're operating in our minds, I thought was an interesting point that I had never really thought about. And I don't really know what he's talking about here. Like, is it possible that we can grow out of this and, and like, be able to discern what is true and what is not? Or, like, is this something that happens as a child? Like, you know, as someone who's told that Santa is real, you believe... That Santa is real for... Sorry. (laughs) If you still believe in Santa, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) No, you scared me. The the fact, like, I have to say that. Anyways, um, like, is that just something that is... It's easier for us to believe in things that aren't true as kids? Or, like, do we grow out of that? Or even as adults, do we still have to, like, do... Are we still not able to discern, like, what is true? I don't know. Like, I don't... I, I saw a quote... And I, I didn't include it, but it was basically talking about how it's, like, mythology is just basically whatever, anything that you believe in or live by. Um, and I feel like it could kind of be this, even if it's just, like, a set of values and not necessarily a story. Um, and even if it is a story, I don't know if, I don't think that's inherently bad to, like, like, I don't even think that's something that you would have to grow out of if it's something that brings you comfort and stuff. Because um, I feel like they're definitely... I think that definitely helps some people yeah. um, cope with whatever, even if it's just their everyday life. Um, and having a story something or something like, to live by. Yeah, something that's proceeded from yeah. ancient history that definitely does still happen, which is rare, I think, um, to have like things that were part of ancient culture and that are still a part of culture now. Yeah. Is that like these stories and religion, I guess, is definitely a part of how people cope with what's happening in their lives, which I think is something that's pretty cool and important. Yeah, it's definitely very interesting. It's a quite a lot to unpack in that one. Yeah, it was 
um, something that's a little weird to think about, but mm -hmm. um, what is your second quote? My second quote is, every human society possesses a mythology which is inherited, transmitted, and diversified by literature. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so um, I thought it was interesting, um, but first off with every human society, I think that's true. If any, It's something that I find very neat. Um, and I, when you look at the world, especially before there's com communication between different parts of the world, whether it was like South America and Australia or Asia or Europe and North America and the different people who lived in these places, something that almost all of them had in common was religion or myths, um, which is really neat how independently all of these people figured this out or... Um, believed in when you look at it like a stru a similarly structured religion um even if the names of the gods are different and that kind of thing i just find that super interesting yeah um and uh what's interesting about the this quote is they're saying how contrary to what my first quote said where it was like oh recently mythology and stuff has been like decline and that's not great this person's saying well literature is something that's really enhanced mythology yeah. because i think for one everyone can access it you don't need someone who knows a story yeah it doesn't have to be that's an, a very different way of looking at it is like it doesn't have to be transmitted orally anymore because anyone can access it that's very yeah. cool and i also love that everyone has their own mythology yeah like everyone has stories to tell and like can form their own beliefs and morals because we each have our own myth mythology yeah i really love that and i also think it's interesting that it's like diversified by literature because yeah it's more accessible to the world and like globally if a, for example a myth uh, like a legend or a story that's written down in a book and goes to the other side of the world all of a sudden that person there might have a completely different interpretation of it and it might take something different from it and if they decide to translate it maybe they translate it and it has a slightly different meaning and that just continues to happen and i don't know i think yeah. it's really interesting and that's one thing that i think is really amazing about the modern world that and because now we have just so much access to basically all of the world like we can now learn about all these other cultures and um learn about their myths and morals and values and culture without like having to take a really long expedition overseas and then yeah. for the purpose of like I don't know finding new land I think that's something that's very cool about modern societies that we can really easily learn about people's lives that aren't our own yeah which I think is something very valuable yeah so I thought that was super interesting yeah um and, yeah and this was said by Northrop Fry. And I think that's an H. I was just <laughs> about to say that. Like I, it's oh, either boy. a G or an H, but I think it's an H. I think, I think his H. name is Herman Northrup Fry. Um, and they're a Canadian literary critic and literary theorist, considered one of the most influential of the twentieth century. Uh, Fry gained international fame with his first book, Fearful Symmetry, which led to the reinterpretation of the poetry of William Blake. So yeah, he's an interesting person. Yeah. Literary critic. So, understands the importance of writing. Of literature, absolutely. 
What is your next quote? My next quote is the strangest one of all. So, and I don't know, um, I, I don't know, I'm curious to see what you think about it because I don't know if I have an opinion on it. I just thought it was like really, a really weird way of thinking about mythology. So it is, a glorious place, a glorious age, I tell you, a very neon renaissance, and the myths that actually touched you at that time, not Hercules, Orpheus, Ulysses, and Aeneas, but Superman, Captain Marvel, and Batman. So I'm pretty sure what he's saying in this quote is that like, we are in a, a neon renaissance, which I'm, I, think, I think he means like, I don't know, television and technology and things like that, and that our current myths and our current mythology that we love to, like the stories that we love to tell and pass down are these superheroes and these movies and comic books and things like that. Um, which that was a really different way of looking at mythology. Like, is it possible that we are still creating mythology now? Yeah. Is, that, is that one way of looking at these stories that we're making in these movies? So yeah, definitely a weird one. but. I think it's interesting because it's kind of like if you look at like the theory of mythology or whatever and if you look at like the patterns for example that mythology follows they're probably almost definitely I don't know it specifically but there almost definitely is a type of like formula that is common through all myths where yeah. There is a certain type of character who does a certain type of goal and there's a moral like there's probably I think about deities is probably and a big deities part of and that kind of thing where there's mythology. like even if they're from different parts of the world, most myths follow the same structure. And I think it's interesting because in this example, if you're thinking about the ancient um, Greeks and Romans, and these are the, their idols, are Hercules, Orpheus, Ulysses, Aeneas. Those were their idols that they looked up to, that they um, strove to be like. And if you look at modern day, those people aren't don't have the same sort of... They're not the same idols, but instead almost identically people have the idols of superman captain america and batman so it's like right. it's a parallel which and often yes movies like these can or comic books like these can make people feel empowered and like that's something i want to do the youtuber um lily singh maybe i don't think so she when she started she her thing was like her name was superwoman and i think like just this year she just made it her actual name but like she was superwoman and that was like her thing because superwoman was a super like um important influence in her life like someone in ancient times might have yeah that's really cool so i don't know i think it's interesting because i think it's like maybe they're kind of saying it's a very different time but we have this many same parallels yes we're still creating mythology it's i just love any of these quotes that connect ancient times to modern times yeah. because like it's something that I don't think we really think about like oh no we're so different from the ancient Greeks but when you find these connections it's like maybe not yeah. maybe not really so I thought that was cool definitely what is you who said that quote oh I'm sorry <laughs> um it was said by Thomas Kennerly Wolf Jr which is quite a name <laughs> who is an American author and journalist widely known for his association with new journalism a style of news writing and journalism developed in the 1960s and 1970s that incorporates literary techniques. Mm. And he died recently. I think he died in 2018. Hmm. So Very interesting. Yeah. An interesting fellow. What's your third quote? Um, so my third quote is... 
I've come to the conclusion that mythology is, a, is really a form of archaeological psychology. Mythology gives you a sense of what a people believes, what they fear. And this was said by George Lucas. Um, we talked about this a little bit before, but basically, I mean, it's just kind of interesting because if you look around the world, the mythology of different peoples is, can be super different. And it gives you a sense of their culture and their values, as we said before, um, which is super interesting because uh, aside from being usually a very interesting, funny or sad story, it also kind of, you can see what different people find important um, through, the sh through their stories. Definitely. I love this, I, again, like a different way of thinking about um, mythology. I love that so many people have so many different thoughts about I know. mythology. Sophia um, and I were saying this before, but like, I was not expecting to have an easy time finding quotes and stuff. For neither this. was I. I thought I would not find any good quotes about mythology, and it, I was astounded. It, I can't, I couldn't think of the word, but I was glad that I was proven wrong. Yeah. No, I like I found I had an easier time finding stuff for this than I did with like photography, which I wouldn't have. Yeah. Said. Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. Um, but yeah, so I also think it's, again, interesting because going back to the idea that like globally everyone has their own mythology and different types, of, different cultures and different people have um, different myths that they, that are part of their history. Um, so it's interesting to see that and see how everyone has, everyone is kind of similar. For sure. Um, and George Walton Lucas Jr. is an American filmmaker and entrepreneur known for creating the Star Wars and Indiana Jones franchises. So, cool person. Definitely. What is your last quote? My last quote is my favorite one, although now I'm thinking that my, my first, the first quote that I said is, is up there too. But um, my last quote is, The twilight zone that lies between living memory and written history is one of the favorite breeding places of mythology. And that was said by Comer Van Woodward, another wonderful word, uh, wonderful name. Did you call it Woodward? Woodward. Although <laughs> <laughs> from now on, his name is Woodward because that's amazing. Can you imagine? Um, and uh, like, I don't know, for, if, if my name was, pretend my name was Woodward. Okay. So Sophia, <laughs> like calling your names in attendance. So, Sophia Woodward. Oh, no, sorry. It's Woodward. <laughs> Please pronounce it Woodward from now on. Mm -hmm. Anyways, <laughs> um, he was a Pulitzer Prize winning American historian focusing primarily on the American South and race relations. He was a long supporter of the approach of Charles A. Beard, it's a cool name as well, stressing the influence of unseen economic motivations in politics. Huh. Stylistically, he was a master of irony and counterpoint. So that's pretty cool. I, irony is something that confuses me a lot but <laughs> I it sounds like he was pretty good at it so I just really loved this because um I don't know live the twi I think the twilight zone between living memory and written history is a very interesting area to explore and the fact that like written history once something gets once we start looking at the history of the world that has started to be written down it tends to be although i was about to say that it tends to be pretty factual but even that's not true because um 
people have different perspectives on certain events. Yeah. So even if you write something down as far away from it, like as detached from it as you could get, it's still you're still gonna have it's some of your perspective in there. Exactly. So and there are also like yeah. gaps in history that that's where like mythologies kind of exactly fills in the blanks. And like living memory is part of is um, most of how mythology was originally passed down was like people would tell their children and their children would tell their children of these stories and then eventually written history came along and they started writing down these stories and so like that the combination between like the oral um aspect of telling stories and this written history when you go to the area between those that's where you find mythology and i thought that was a really really cool concept um yeah but yeah i also think it's interesting because like the idea that, like, between living memory and written history, so, for example, I don't know, like, going back to, like, Greek history, because this is the example that I think I'm, I know most about, mm-hmm. um, but the people, if, like, for example, if, like, there's a child who, in, like, ancient Greece, who's like, ooh, why is the sky blue? And the, or, like, I don't know, that's a bad example, but, like, if the parents and the people around them had no living memory of how something started or is created. Yeah. There, and for example, if like, I don't know, there were like, there were historians in Greek, like the, like the father of history was Herodotus, I can't pronounce his name, and he was like one of like the first historians, and between what he had written about and what the people remember, there might be a gap. And that gap is kind of where they maybe fill in the blanks of like, oh, That's the way this happened, happened or yeah. this is how this war was actually resolved and that kind of thing. Like, it's like, that's where kind of the explanations kind of kicked in. Yeah, for sure. Mythological. Definitely. What is your last quote? So my last quote is, I believe anything, <laughs> I believe in everything until it's disproved. So I believe in fairies, the myths, dragons, it all exists, even if it's in your mind. Who's to say that dreams and nightmares aren't as real as the here and now? And that was said by John Lennon. Um, And I just thought it was interesting because it's the idea of like, well, don't necessarily discount myths, even if it's just in the sense of don't discount, don't discount like um, the values that you take from the myths because can anyone prove that they didn't happen? No, so just as long as, like, it's not hurting anyone, just believe what you want to believe. I love the message that this sends, which is kind of like, hey, guys, don't turn your nose up. Don't turn your noses up (laughs) at, like, mythology and religion, for example, because, like, it hasn't been disproven. And it's, like, a fun way of going about it. But yeah, I I like the message it sends. It also reminds me of the famous Harry quote. Harry Harry (laughs) Potter quote. The famous Harry quote. Uh, which is like, um, of course it's happening in your head, Harry, but why, why does that mean it does? it's yeah. not real or something like that? So that Definitely. was immediately what I thought of when I saw that, and I loved it. Yeah, I just really like it. Um, and it's kind of like saying, just because you grow older, don't become like cynical of what you yeah. do and don't understand. And just in your imagination. Yeah, exactly. Let your imagination continue to yeah. believe what it wants don't to Don't crush be. your imagination. Not crush your imagination. But, but you yeah, know crush your imagination. Like, as, like, as you get older. Don't squash it. We've had a lot of quotes from John Lennon, haven't we? He's a very inspirational guy. Yeah, he says a lot of 
good things, mm-hmm. <laughs> inspirational things. Um, yeah, I just ate food. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So John Winston Ono Lennon was an English singer, songwriter, and peace activist who co-founded the Beatles, as many of you probably know. But yeah, so, yep. I made the mistake of also just eating food. <laughs> but I think we're going to move on to anecdotes now. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophia, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, I don't really have too many anecdotes today because I don't, well... I think this is true for both of us, but yeah. I don't have any personal stories about mythology. Same. Like, my parents never sat me down and, like, told me a, the story of my people or anything like that, which would be cool, but that never happened. <laughs> but when I was researching this episode, something that I was curious about was we always do the etymology of every word, um, and I love doing that. And so I was curious as to what the etymology of mythology was. Um, and it comes from Greek, which the reason why I cl- included it was because I thought it was really cool. Because generally, when we talk about mythology, um, we think of Greek mythology, or at least I do. So I think it's really cool that the word mythology comes from Greek. Um, so it comes from the Greek word muthos, which is myth, and then logia, which logia. turns logia. Logia. Yeah. Which turns into <laughs> logia. I did. I don't know why. Um, it's to mythologia and then mythology. That's no. sounds Spanish. Mythology. Yeah. <laughs> mythology. Mythology. Okay. Um, combine French, late Latin, and English logi to turn into mythology in late Middle English. So I just thought that was really cool. And then the last quick little anecdote that I want to share was about Chinese mythology. So I really don't know much about Chinese mythology, but I was really curious about it because China has a, a really rich culture and history that I've been starting to learn more about through both my grandmother and this research project that I'm doing. So, um, and I've been meaning to do some more research once I have finished with the history of China about like the culture of China and how that's continued into present day. And I think that Chinese culture is really interesting So I was curious about Chinese mythology. So I found that it includes many varied myths from a bunch of different cultures and religions, including Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism. So I thought that was cool because it's like a a combination of many different religions and cultures and Mm -hmm. beliefs to create Chinese mythology. Um, And like most mythology, um, it generally includes moral lessons or values and informs people about the culture. So I think that's another something that we've touched on already, but like a lot of stories that are told, especially to children, are like, here's the moral of the story. Um, like Icarus flying too close to the yeah. sun is sort of like, listen to your parents, I think. Um, again, they're often transmitted orally. And then just two quick things that I thought was really cool about um, Chinese culture. Um, was the importance of the Jade Emperor, which I had never heard of before, and the Chinese dragon. So this is a quote from the article that I found, but the Jade Emperor is believed to be the most important god. The origins of the Jade Emperor and how he came to be regarded as a deity are unknown. Also known as Yu Huang Shangti, his name means the August Personage of Jade. Hmm. Yeah, right? Um, He is considered to be the first god and to be in charge of all the gods and goddesses. Many myths about well-known gods and goddesses who were in charge of different aspects of culture exist, but all of them were subordinate to the Jade Emperor. 
So I'd never heard about the Jade Emperor before, but um, I thought that this was a really interesting part of Chinese mythology. And also the fact that Jade, the material, the Jade, mm -hmm. is something very present in like jewelry in China and things like that. Um, so I thought it was pretty cool that Jade was also a part of their mythology. Yeah. And really then the last bit was about Chinese dragon, which I, this part I knew. I know that the dragon is very important in Chinese culture. But again, this is a paragraph that I found from the article. Um, but it is, the Chinese dragon is one of the most important mythical creatures in Chinese mythology. The Chinese dragon is considered to be the most powerful and divine creature and is believed to be the controller of all waters, which is interesting because you normally think about dragons breathing yeah. fire, but in Chinese mythology, they're in control of water, which I thought was really cool. That is really interesting. So the dragon symbolized great power and was very supportive of heroes and gods. One of the most famous dragons in Chinese mythology is Yinglong, or responding dragon. He is said to be the god of rain. Many people in different places pray to him in order to receive rain which is important for crops and agriculture, obviously. Um, in Chinese mythology, dragons are believed to be able to create oh, clouds so with their cool. breath. Isn't that cool? Um, also, something that I thought about was like, what if it's a combination of like the fire, as you typically think of a dragon, you think of them breathing fire, and water, you combine fire and water, steam, maybe that's why they breathe clouds. Probably not, but that was I wonder how, was cool. because I, I wonder how like, um what the first dragon what mythology the first dragon came from and i would kind of, kind of guess it would come from chinese mythology yeah i'm not um, sure because now dragon is like a very yeah famous well in western creature. in western culture it's like fire breathing and i think it looks very different to the chinese dragon it does chinese dragons look more like snakes yeah they're like, like they're serpents kind of, serp exactly exactly and so i wonder how that kind of turned into what western is yeah. or how it combined with another thing definitely something i'm curious about and might look into is like how What's up with dragons? Like, how yeah. did they come to be? Um, and then just the last bit about dragons. I This was from mostly my knowledge of it. Um, it's very important in Chinese culture. It's like the symbol of the Chinese New Year, I'm pretty sure. But don't trust me too much on that. They're believed to bring good luck to the people. Um, the dragon dance is a part of Chinese New Year. So, like, have you ever seen, like, the dragon head yeah. and then all the people pretending to be the legs? That's sort of like the dragon dance and then also dragon boat races are important in their culture as well so yeah just a little bit of um i guess sort of my culture and i had never really looked into chinese mythology but what i found was really interesting yeah it's fun to i i don't i don't know if there are too many um myths and legends from my family like ancestry <laughs> but it's really cool to see like what like your ancestors would have believed in and lived yeah. by and like what you can I don't know, it's like interesting to have that history passed down. For sure. Yeah. So what are your anecdotes this week? Um, so, I don't know, I just did a few little <clears throat> first like quick notes. I was thinking when I was like researching this how it's just really interesting how myths, religion, legend, all of that can represent different things for people, both in the literal and mythological sense of the story, where it's like maybe people take a literal meaning from it, where it's like, this person did this, so I will now do this. Or if it's like, um, I said mythological, metaphorical sense is what I meant. Where it's like, kind of maybe a, maybe the stories aren't literal, but you can take a metaphorical meaning from it, which yeah. is interesting. Um, and I think, like many 
people around my age. I learned a lot of mythology, Greek mythology, from Percy Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Percy Jackson. Um, which maybe not... Yeah, I I think it was relatively accurate. Right? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that the author did a lot of research. I so mean, it's he interesting. Had to. Yeah, and then another series that I absolutely loved was the Brother Bands series by North by, geez, the Brother Band series by John Flanagan. Um, oh, and it was their this. Scandinavian like Vikings, oh, and so it was like so North cool. mythology, and it wasn't a big thing, but it was definitely there. And it was a little bit of a fantasy thing, so I don't know how accurate it was again, but there was some North. Norse mythology, which was interesting. That's awesome. Um, and then my favorite uh, myth, which I think this one is relatively grounded in fact, but even so, there was a lot of like, I just found this a really interesting, like my favorite thing, are the seven wonders of the ancient world. Because, okay, so I first learned about these from a game that we have. Do I? Are you like signaling to me? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> You keep on like rubbing your nose, and I'm like, do I have something? No, it's okay. So the Seven Wonders of the Ancient World. We had a game. We have a game called Seven Wonders, and you basically it's complicated, but you basically start out with one of seven cards that rep that are, and each of the cards are one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And then sixth grade, we got to do a capstone project, and it could be about whatever we wanted. And I did the Seven Wonders of the Ancient World. We got to, we presented it with like a poster board, and then you could like, um, you had to have like an activity. So some people maybe like made food, or like you got to, I don't know. There was a little like activity that they did, and what I did is I brought Legos and I took pictures and printed them out of like how I had built the seven wonders of the ancient world with Legos. That's so and cool. And then I just brought to Legos, and I was like, you can build, you can build any of them. <laughs> you can try That's to build amazing. any of the seven wonders. That's so good. I was very proud of it. You um, shouldn't be. That's awesome. Thank you. But yeah, so the seven wonders of the ancient world um, came, became a thing after the conquests of Alexander the Great, and many travelers from the Greek mainland, mainland got access to the ancient civilizations of the Persians, Babylonians, and the Egyptians. So this is in ancient Greece. And the quote, these travelers were smitten by the beauty and the marvels of the lands they visited and decided to list what they were seeing in order to remember the worthiest easier. In Greek, the word used for these marvels of the ancient world was theamata, which means the must-sees. That's so cool. Yeah. So the seven wonders are um, the pyramids of, I say Giza. I don't know if it's Giza. I think it's Giza. Okay. So I say the pyramids of Giza. (laughs) The the Egyptian pyramids of Giza, the mausoleum of Halicarnassus, the lighthouse of Alexandria, uh, Phidias statue of Zeus in Olympia, the hanging gardens of Babylon, Artemis's temple in, in Ephesus, and the Colossus of Rhodes. Um, and yeah, they were just like incredible creations. Um, for example, the mausoleum was like full of riches. The lighthouse was one of the tallest buildings, was at that time the tallest building in the world. Um, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, people don't even know if it's true or not, or just kind of yeah. exaggerated. Um, and this is kind of because this is the best starting card in the game, but also because it looks really cool. My favorite one is, are the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the Pyramids of Giza and the Hanging Gardens of Babylon were the only two that I 
new off the top of my head. Yeah, well, in the Pyramids of Giza is the only wonder that's still there because the rest of them, like, burned down in fires. A lot of earthquakes. Um, Artemis' temple was burned down by someone who wanted to be remembered in history. Um, And they just... Yeah, and they were, like, gone forever. Um, Again, the Gardens of Babylon just seemed super cool because it was literally, like, it was the only one that was really nature-based, kind of. Yeah. Um, And there were these beautiful gardens that were apparently, like, seen magical. And it was also, like, really cool because they were, um, like, able to function because of this, like, intricate running water system that they had to water the gardens, oh, that's which is, like, so cool, cool just to me because yeah. it's, like, I just that's find always, that. Those are always fascinating. Yeah, but we don't even know if that's real. Um, and I just, I just really love, this is, like, my favorite mythological thing. I find it really interesting. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, that's kind of what I have. There's some North mythology that's, that's interesting, but I don't know a lot about it. Um, but mythology is cool. I like stories. Yeah. So, I'm really glad that we did this topic. I never would have thought of it as something that yeah. I would enjoy talking about. Um, but a lot of the quotes that we had, I loved that they all provided different perspectives and different opinions. Mm-hmm. It was really fun and interesting to talk about. Yeah, it was super like unexpectedly so. I really yeah. Know. Let us know what your favorite myths are. Yeah. Let us know if you have a favorite myth. Anything that, any myths that... That's really cool. I never thought about the fact that, like, someone can have a favorite myth. I should, <laughs> I should, I should think about what my favorite myth is. I think mine is the, the hang, or is the, well, Hanging Gardens of Babylon, but also the Seven Wonders of the World. Yeah. It's a good one. My favorite. Um, as per usual, uh, rate, review, subscribe. I just realized we usually do the music before this, but yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. Email us at quotesandanecotes.gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at quotes.and.anecotes. While you're there, follow our friend who did our cover art um, at dinobyte. That's D-I-N-O dot B-Y-T-E. She's amazing. She's awesome and wonderful. And if you she want doesn't like drama, me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Roman likes to annoy her. Um, but if you want something person. drawn, you can commission yeah. her. And she does great art, so definitely go give her a follow. Yep. And our intro music is inspirational. Life. Okay. And our outro music. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just breaking tradition here. It's okay. No, no, no. Continue. I'm sorry. What's our, our outro, outro music, Sophia? It's blossoming inspiration. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. I feel bad. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I think that's everything. Send us an email. Let the us sun know. came out. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. It's a circle. Of <laughs> um, but yeah, just like enjoy your Wednesday. Yeah, hope you guys have been having a good week. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. We already said that. Yep. <laughs> We're circling in the circle of life. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> Bye, everyone. Is that how we end it now? <laughs> oh, no. no. You do your thing. I just didn't want you to start singing the circle of life. Bye, my friend, Sophia. That's not in the tune of the circle. Uh, Is it? No, it's not. I forgot to do the but. I'm in. I am a mess today. Clearly, <laughs> I forgot to. I'm, you okay. forgot how to end our. I podcast. I forgot that we had the thing to end our podcast. Bye.
Bye, my friend Sophia. Bye, my friend.